Jesus, I pray that you would guide us in all of these liberties that we had discussed in weeks past. That you would lead us into what's right for each and every one of us and keep us from sin at the same time. May love govern all that we do in this group here on Sunday night. May we put each other before ourselves, Lord. May we bear with one another rather than bail on each other. So Jesus, we think about the price that you gave to save us. Please let us not ruin that. Please let us not stumble a brother. Give us the heart of love. And Jesus, give us a love beyond this room. Give us a love for the people that walk the halls of rim and the people at our workplaces and family members will see at Christmas. The people that we'll hang out with at the next gathering. Lord, give us a heart for those people that we would be moved by ministry, that we would put ourselves on the road to redemption, a mission and a vision to save the lost. So use our abilities in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All roads lead to Rome. Surely you've heard that saying. And it was true in Paul's day. All roads did lead to Rome. Rome was the center. It was the capital. It was the happening spot of the entire world at the time. And everybody knew that you could take any road and eventually it'll end up in Rome because everything went to Rome and came from Rome. But, Paul, strangely enough, though he writes this book to the Romans in Rome, had never been to Rome. Paul, wouldn't that be the first place you would go to spread the gospel? Go to Rome, the big place. Now, Paul had a totally different strategy. He, he never had been to Rome at the time of writing this book. Wow. Well, if I was Paul, I would go right up there and I'd start running as a politician in Rome and spreading the gospel through that way. That's not how God planned it. See, Paul had a very different road. It was one that didn't necessarily lead to Rome. His road was the road of redemption. And it led wherever the Spirit led him to save whoever had not heard the gospel ever before. Yes, all roads lead to Rome, but Paul's didn't. Although eventually did, it had a very long detour, the road of redemption. And, guess what? Not all roads lead to heaven either. All roads lead to Rome, but all roads don't lead to heaven. There's only one road. Jesus said to the masses as he sat on the Mount of Olives and gave his, his great famous sermon on the Mount. He told them, hey, you guys want eternal life. There's one road. It's that narrow road you don't see many going on. And, and the gate is very slim. But then there's the broad way. And many are those who go on it. And they're going to destruction Many roads all over the world, and all lead to Rome, all lead to other things of this world, desires and passions, but only one road leads to the gospel, leads to salvation, leads to redemption. And that was the road Paul traveled. 
wherever it took him. That's where he wanted to go. Staying on this road, keeping as his road map the Holy Spirit and the Gospel to guide him, he went wherever it led him. And he shared. And he was concerned about bringing people on this narrow road, the road to redemption, bringing them to heaven. Now, Paul is not a very broad-minded guy. Oh, whatever you want to believe, people, as long as you believe there's a big guy in the sky. Paul was severe. He wasn't afraid to separate the wheat from the chaff with doctrine and say, hey, it's Jesus or it's nothing. Whoa, that's a little severe, Paul. Should we be a little more open-minded so that more people might embrace Christianity? It wasn't Paul's way. Paul had the gospel in mind and he wanted to save people. He didn't care who he offended. He knew it was Jesus that they were rejecting. So Paul's road, we look at here in the end of chapter 15, and basically, we see in the first part his mission. Paul was a man on a mission. And he did it because he understood he had a position, and then he worked that position with power. And these are things Paul's going to explain right now. So let's look at verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I'm pleased with you guys. Wow. What if Paul came to our group and said, Hey, I'm pleased with you guys. You're walking right. You're doing great. What a word. Paul had so many negative things to say to some churches. You look at um, Colossians, and the whole time he's correcting them. He's like, Guys, you got off track. It's all about Jesus. Come back. But to the Romans, he says... You guys are doing good. Really good. Well, how do you know that, Paul? Well, because he says that they were able to instruct each other. How do we gauge maturity? One way we gauge our maturity is by our ability to instruct each other. To be able to teach each other. Oh, I must not be very spiritual. I've never sat on the fire pit and taught I can't do that up there. Well, that's not what I mean. Instructing each other, it can happen just in your one-on-one conversation before and after our study, at school, anywhere. Your ability to instruct one another in the things of God, in the things of the Gospel, shows maturity. You see, it's not about how much we know. It's about how well you know what you know. Example, some of us in here, we're like, okay, I'm saved, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but if I ask you right now, what does it mean to be Christian? How do you become a Christian? You would scratch your head, look at your feet, and look under the table as if the answer's there, and go, oh, no, no, I don't really know what to say. But true maturity is able to not just hear the words and say, oh, yeah, I don't know all that, but it's to actually be able to articulate it, whether demonstrating in life or in word. But Paul said, hey, you guys are able to instruct one another. You guys are getting it. You guys are mature. I wonder if we're mature, if we really understand the things of God, or we just kind of vaguely, hmm, yeah. Have we ever, like, worked it out and thought it through and said, hmm, how would I explain this to someone? I'm convinced sometimes we don't talk about the things of the Lord together because we're insecure about it. We don't really know what to say. And we might... (laughs) I, I, under, I totally understand if you feel this way, because I felt this way when I was your age. You know, you might be intimidated to talk to me about something about the Lord, because you're like, I might say something wrong. 
<laughs> you know, like, I, I don't understand necessarily everything about theology. Hey, well, it's okay. You just understand at least what you know. And that's something that you can share and show to people. There is something written in um, the 1980 Minnesota Twins World Series program. Check this out. It's really... <laughs> it's really... Um, it's very clear. So, <laughs> Minnesota Twins, 18... Oh, that's the 1980 World Series program explains the game of baseball like this. You have two sides. One out in the field and one in. Each man who's on the side that goes out, when he's out, he comes in, and the next man goes in until he's out. When three men are out, the side that's out comes in, and the side that's been in goes out and tries to get those coming in out. <laughs> you get it, right? Sometimes you get the men still in and not out. Both sides, or when both sides, have been in and out nine times, including the not outs, that's when the game ends. <laughs> wow, I get baseball now. I never understood that about it. That is, <laughs> some of you might, you're really baseball savvy, you kind of follow that. It took me five times to read it to even get half of it, but that's okay. Um, but some of you are like, wow, I didn't understand baseball, and now I really don't understand baseball. That made no sense. Hey, you're in good condition, because that didn't make much sense. However, that is how the things of God comes to some of our ears. It comes in and it goes out, and we think, hmm, <laughs> missed something there. <laughs> but Paul would say, you want to be mature? Be able to instruct each other. And you just start with the simple things and work on there. Do you know what it means that Jesus loves you? Do you know how to tell someone that? Do you know what it means to be saved and forgiven of your sin? Well, I've actually never really thought about it. Well, Paul's saying, hey, you know the first step to grow is to use that noggin and to start to think about the things of God. And you'll be able to instruct one another. So this, that's the maturity. They're able to explain things. And guys, just a thought. If we can't explain the things of God to each other, how will you ever explain it to the people in the world. If we can't make sense of it to one another, and you're not even comfortable to share with your Christian friend what God's done in your life, are you going to be all the more confident when you go into the world and they scratch their head and say, what are you on? <laughs> no, if we can't do it here, you can't do it out there. And so I would encourage us, hey, let's start to grow in this maturity and just in little ways, hey, make it your goal every day when you see a Christian, just tell them something that God showed you that day or something God's doing. Just even if it's something you read. Hey, I read Exodus chapter 30 this morning. It was boring, man. I got nothing about it. <laughs> Except that God is very into detail. Oh, you got something out of it. God's into detail. Hey, He's into detail in your life too. You see... You can, even things you don't understand, you can make sense of them. Don't let the things of God come in and go out, because it makes no sense. Let it come in and come out of the mouth, not out of the ear. Oh, have you guys heard about the farmer who was um, milking a cow? And a fly was buzzing around the cow's head, and he was squeezing the udders and getting the milk into the pail, and he swings at the fly, and it's bugging him, and... He kept bugging him. <laughs> and the fly goes and goes inside the ear of the cow. And the cow mm, shakes his head and goes, whoa, the fly just went in that ear. And he keeps milking the cow. And then all of a sudden, he squirts one of the udders and the fly squirts out. And he goes, whoa, 
Fat fly went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> That's so often. <laughs> but what happens though with the things of God it goes in one ear and it goes out the other <laughs> And but God would want us to have it go in the ear and come out the mouth or to come out in the lifestyle Christian maturity the ability to instruct each other so <clears throat> Paul's just saying you guys are doing really good I wonder if Jesus would say that about us too verse 15 but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God. <clears throat> you guys know all this, but I wrote it just to remind you. You know, that really should be the purpose of our gathering. Um, if by a certain point in our walks, we should know so much about the Lord. And then some people, though, I deal with this in, um, in some places. Oh, I already know about that. Oh, um, can you teach me something I don't know? And you just kind of scratch your head and think, is that what it's all about? But Paul says, you know, we sometimes need to be reminded of this stuff. You know it, okay? You guys know the gospel, but sometimes we just need to, we forget. Like, for example, we studied almost a year ago justification in Romans. And that means that it's just as if I had never sinned, that you're justified, and God removed our sin as far as the east is from the west, and He doesn't even remember anymore, He holds nothing against you. And that's great to know. But sometimes, in life, I hit these low points, and it's hard, I know I'm justified here, but it's hard to feel it here in the heart. And it's so encouraging to hear from the Word, someone tell me, you are justified. And to have the Lord just remind me of that as I hear that you're justified, Brandon. So many times we just need those reminders. And that's why sometimes we come together, oh, this is my favorite passage, I know it by heart. But hey, remind yourself of these things. Let it just keep coming in. And so I am just reminding you guys, now in verse 16 he's giving him, I was able to remind you because of my position, you see. He says, because of the grace given me by God, verse 16, to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What a mouthful. Paul basically saying, God gave me grace and called me. To bring the gospel to the Gentiles so that they will be set apart to the Holy Spirit. That's my position. That's what God has called me to be and to do. And so I have the authority to remind you guys of these things. Because this is my job. The story is told of D.L. Moody. You guys might know that old um, evangelist. He, he made it his goal just to tell somebody about the Lord every single day. One day he realized, oh my gosh, it's about midnight. I haven't told anyone about the Lord so he went outside and found the first bum he saw. And he said, hey, do you know if you're getting to heaven, sir? Do you know how you're going to get there? Do you know if you're going there? And the bum scowled and looked at him and said, mind your own business. And D.L. Moody said, this is my business. <laughs> I like that. I want to do that to somebody. But see, that's Paul's business too. He said, this is my position. I am a carrier of the gospel to the Gentiles so that they may be accepted by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord. So he goes out, and in verse 17, In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Whoa, Paul, what about humility there? 
No, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud. The big difference, Paul wasn't proud in himself. In fact, in 1 Timothy, he confessed what a wretch he was. And he marvels that God uses him. He's saying, in Jesus, I am proud. Now, if Tim, we all went and had a little softball game, and Tim starts slugging ball after ball over the fence, and then he holds the bat up and says, guys, you've got to buy this bat. It's incredible the way it launches the ball out of the park. Now, are we looking at Tim or at the bat now? When we're looking at the bat, oh, that's Tim's secret. It's the bat. And then we all go and buy that bat <laughs> because it's got the power. And that's what Paul's saying. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in the bat and Jesus. This is doing all the work. Now, in real life, the bat really doesn't do all the work. You've got to have skill. But... Jesus, Jesus is whom Paul's boasting in. And it, all the attention was going to him. And so in verse 18, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Man, I'm not even going to bother talking about my resume. All I care about is telling you guys, man, what God is doing amongst the Gentiles, how they're coming to obedience. See, Paul knew his position... Now this is his power. His power was in Jesus. I'm not going to boast in anything but Jesus. He's my power. He is what's carried this gospel to the rest of the world. It's nothing about me. It wasn't a program. It wasn't that I had lofty speeches. And I have this, you use a certain hook at the beginning and you get everyone listening. And then you crack the joke at the certain time and you get them weeping and laughing. And right then you call them to the altar and they all get saved. And how fleshly is that? Paul just said, hey, I don't have any method. It's just Jesus. He's doing all this through me. How does Jesus doing it through Paul? This is the secret to his power. He says, middle of verse 18, or very end of it actually, by word and deed. Jesus is working through Paul by word and deed. Secondly, by power of signs and wonders. And third, by the power of the Spirit of God. But first on the list, by words and deeds. Guys, our words and our deeds preach the gospel. You've probably heard it said, you might be the only Bible anyone ever reads. Paul's first and foremost way to preach wasn't through some miraculous sign. I'm going to heal somebody and they're all going to believe. That happened for Paul. His priority was words and deeds. As he lived the gospel, as he followed the Holy Spirit, the power and the signs and the miracles followed. Brandon, do those really happen today anymore? Actually, yeah. I think it doesn't happen in America because we're not so evangelistically minded. We're not like Paul on the road of redemption bringing the gospel to people. But they are in China. And you hear stories about missionaries in China, how they break out of these jails because an angel leads them out and no one even notices them. Not some old rugged jail where it's like, okay, maybe you slip through the bars or like um, you get the dog, the bone, and he gives you the keys, fires the caravan. Um, it's more like, these are sophisticated laser beams that get flies that fly through, you know, security cameras, eyes on you at all times, steel integrated locked safe doors, you know, just walk right through it. No one even notices them. It's incredible what God is doing through powers and signs and miracles and wonders. It happens, but I think sometimes we don't see it because we aren't willing to 
evangelize. We, we aren't willing to share the love of Jesus with people. First deeds and, and words, then the power follows. Maybe you'll never see a miracle, but people see the power of your words when you walk the gospel. That kind of power they see. And then his secret, of course, is by the power of the Spirit of God. I'm convinced if we lived more in the Spirit, by His power, if we lived more moment by moment what the Spirit wants us to do, living in sensitivity to Him, we'll see more people question us about our faith. But too many of us just, mm, I've lived for myself today. Mm. Paul was not like that. He had a mission Positioned to save people, empowered by the Spirit to go do it. And now his policy in the middle of verse 19, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Eliakim, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. Paul didn't want to go to other churches and say, Hey, I'm going to start a new church. Come to my church. We're better. We've got stronger worship music and a better, funnier pastor. He went where the gospel was never heard. Now, that's his policy. He went for souls, not for numbers. I just wish some churches would give up on their dream to be a mega church and start reaching lost people. Rather than, hey... You know, your church is cool, but come to ours, it's bigger and it's more happening. We have more events and programs. Paul was so different. It was about that man over there who no one talked to. The one who never heard the gospel. He went to those people. That was his mission. Now in verse 22, Paul had vision. He explains his plans in verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Why? Because he's been traveling 1,400 miles from Jerusalem to Eliakim, Giving the gospel everywhere. And he fulfilled his circuit. It's wonderful. This is why I haven't been able to come to Rome, guys. I'm a busy man. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, Romans, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. I plan to come to you. Hang in there on my way to Spain. He has a plan. And he, guys, is very good at plan, okay? The Proverbs say, it's Proverbs 28, verse 18, I think, <laughs> that without vision, the people fail. Do you have vision for your life? Do you have a plan? Hmm. You know, I, I want to do this with my life. Well, maybe you don't. It's okay, you'll come. But we need to be in prayer about what does God want us to do? Paul had a vision, which means he had something that he was working for. He wasn't just, oh, what am I going to do today? Hmm. You know what ends up happening when I do that? I end up doing whatever's right in front of me. Like the TV. <laughs> or like some computer game. Or something just like, like that. And with no vision. You just kind of rust, rust. Rot. We would have better vision if we gave up the television and instead went to the Bible in prayer every now and then, more often. Lord, give me a vision. What's your plan for me? I want to go to Spain. Or, I want to go to my workplace. Amy needs you, Lord. That's my vision for this month. Just to be a witness to Amy. Paul had vision. And in verse 25, 
At present, however, he also has compassion. I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings. They also ought to be of service to them in the material blessings. So, what's happened is the saints in Jerusalem, whatever it was, a drought, persecution, they're very poor. So everywhere Paul's gone, the Gentiles have contributed money to him to give to the saints in Jerusalem. So he's saying, hey, I'm coming to you guys, but first I've got to go to Jerusalem first to give them this love offering, to help the saints there out. His reason was really good. You see, the Jews bless the Gentiles spiritually. Therefore, the Gentiles should bless the Jews materially. The Jews gave us the gospel. They gave us Jesus. So the Gentiles are pleased. They saw themselves as owing it to them. Hey, here you guys go. You guys deserve this. We'll help you out. So Paul's compassion, he wanted to go make sure the needs were met in Jerusalem first. And then, in verse 28, When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I'll be full of his blessing. Why? Because I was blessing other people in Jerusalem. You guys want to be blessed? Bless someone else. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says that he who waters others will be watered himself. I'm feeling dry. I'm not very happy. Not very much joy. Maybe you should bless someone. It's amazing how when you give away, how much happier you feel. You feel dry? Go water someone. The Proverbs say you get watered right back. And so Paul says, I'm going to be blessing him and I'm going to come to you in the blessings of Christ because of what I've been doing. And so now his plan comes with a prayer. So important that we back our plans with prayer. And so Paul pleads for prayer in verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit, the love of the Spirit, strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Please pray for me as I go to Jerusalem. Please pray for me. Paul wanted prayer for two things. Number one, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Secondly, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Please pray for me. Number one, protection from the unbeliever. The Jews hate me there. Number two, production amongst the believers. That they will receive the offering, that the Lord will work in their midst. We need that prayer every day, guys. Protection from the world and production within the ministry. Whatever our ministry is, wherever we go. Pray for me. So I, I, I ask you guys, like Paul asked them, you guys pray for me every week. I pray for you guys every week. And we pray for each other. That, that's what drives the machine of ministry is prayer. Paul uses strongest words here. I urge you, I appeal to you, I beg of you. Strive, wrestle, work together with me in prayer. Prayer's not always easy, so we have to strive for it. You guys pray for me, I'll pray for you. Good deal, right? Well, the road to redemption, Paul. 
we just have a hard time understanding, don't we? How do I share the gospel? How do I explain this to you? How do I minister? Well, all roads lead to Rome, but not all roads lead to heaven, and Paul knew this. So he showed people one road, the road to Jesus Christ. But Brandon, I don't know how to do that. I'm scared. I don't even know where to start. Well, in closing, I thought it would be good that we looked at that road. What road is it that leads to heaven? It's Jesus. How do I explain that road? It's called the Romans Road. Most of you guys have probably heard of it, or you've never heard of it. Great, fantastic. Take a pen and a paper and jot it down, or remember, or circle these verses in your Bible. We're going to blaze through these five verses, and you guys will know the Romans Road. It's this road that takes a man to heaven. It takes him to salvation. So number one, the Romans Road, probably very much what Paul spoke to people, is Romans 3, verse 23. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right there. Common ground with everyone. All have sinned. You fall short of the glory of God. Oh no! What's going to happen to me? Romans 6, 23. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. <laughs> but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What's going to happen to me? I'm a sinner. Death is going to happen to you. But I have good news too. Jesus. What did Jesus do? Romans 5.8. Go back a little bit. Romans 5.8. But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Ah. Oh, you're a sinner. You're going to die. But Jesus loves you. And He showed it to you on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now, Romans 10. So they hear this, they're like, well, what do I do now? I, I believe, I, I hear that, that sounds great, what do I do? Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Oh, I get it. I believe. I believe. And then, finally, two verses down. Look at 10 verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. That's the Romans road. All roads lead to Rome, but not all lead, roads lead to heaven. Just the Romans road does. And it's this road as... Oh, all men have sinned, I'm going to die, but Jesus died for me, He can give me eternal life. I confess with my heart and my mouth, and I believe in my heart, and, and I call upon Him, and I'm saved. That is the road that leads to heaven. This is the road that Paul traveled, this is the road that Paul preached. And everywhere he went, from Jerusalem to Lycrium, he tried dragging people onto this road. Anyone. He grabbed the hands that were reaching and he reached for others that were unwilling and just gave them a chance pulling them onto this Romans road saying hey here's the straight and narrow this is going to lead you to heaven not the Broadway or Broadway <laughs> Broadway is leading many people to destruction so is easy street <laughs> but this is not an easy street this is not a Broadway it's a narrow road it's the Romans road only the tough gritty Roman Christians <laughs> Christian soldiers can march this 
And Paul takes people on. So I encourage us, brothers, that we have our ministry, our mission, our vision, that we're, we're Paul-minded, gospel-minded, and that the Romans road is what we walk. And if anyone we can, we grab them onto this road. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would have ministry like Paul. Wherever it is, Lord, wherever, our workplaces, our school, our family, our friends, God, there's ministry everywhere around us. Opportunity to share, to serve, to live. The Romans wrote, May we walk this course, Lord, and not stray. By your grace, keep us intact and move us through ministry. May we be powered by your Holy Spirit and boast in Jesus Christ. And may we pray for one another so that these things happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.